Amen. Well, you may be seated, and if you have a Bible with you, uh, turn it to Philippians chapter 1, maybe one of the most uh, famous verses uh, in the book of Philippians. Um, we find in this passage, Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26, and I'm praying the Lord uses this sermon this morning, even as we've heard that, th- that many of us have maybe the highest of highs that we've seen this week. Many of us have maybe seen the lowest of lows in our life right now, but there's an all-surpassing joy that can be given to you in Christ, in Christ alone. There's an all-surpassing joy that you can say, Christ my hope in life and death, that you can say, it is well with my soul because to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That's a reality for those who are in Christ today. So we, we begin with verse 18 with these words that Paul writes under the inspiration of the Spirit. He says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, which means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray together. Lord, we, Lord, what a great uh, joy. It is to sit together under your word today. Lord, what a great grace that you give us. Because honestly, Lord, we don't know how many of these we have left. Lord, we take this for granted. And and Lord, our life is short. Our life is extremely short. It's like a, a vapor. It's like a mist. Lord, it's here today and it's gone even today in light of eternity. So Lord, I pray that you would help me preach as a dying man to dying men and women. And Lord, I pray that you would sober us with that reality that we are dying. We will all die. But that, Lord, that sobering reality will not silence our joy if we have Christ. Lord, fill this place with believers that they have joy, all-surpassing joy in Jesus today, whether they're alive or whether they're dying. And may the same be true of those who don't know Christ today. Lord, you draw them with the all-surpassing joy that's found in a Savior named Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Well, there are certain things that people do that sometimes leave you scratching your head. There's some things you just can't unsee. When you see it, it's just a little puzzling, and you have to stop and demand an explanation. It's, there are things that people do that stick out from the rest of the world, and you, 
You have to stop and say, what, what is so different? What is happening? What's going on here? Like when you see a person kissing their dog on their mouth. You're asking, some of y'all are those people right now, but you're asking, what in the world are they thinking? Or like a person that orders a salad, not as a side, not as an extra, but like for their meal. You're like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? Like, did you lose a bet? What's... Or like when a lady in her 60s is walking around in a Tinkerbell outfit at Disney World. I saw it with my own eyes. You have to stop and you have to scratch your head. Like anybody wearing a Tinkerbell outfit over the age of six, that's the cutoff, not 60 years old. Well, Paul in this passage is doing something that leaves the world scratching their heads. Paul's doing something that makes the rest of the world stop and demand an explanation. He says this radical, otherworldly, heavenly verse that we all know, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He says, if, if I live, I get to live for Jesus. And if I die, I get to go and be with Jesus. Do you hear what he's saying? He says, I have this great joy of living for Christ, but I have an even superior joy to die and to be with Christ. That sounds crazy to the world watching. That sounds crazy to the watching world around us. This is a startling truth to, to a world that's filled with bucket lists that they have to check off before they go. This demands an explanation for those who are scared to death of death. But for those who are in Christ, this shouldn't sound crazy at all. This should sound very familiar to your heart. For those who know Jesus, who treasure Jesus above all, this should look like your life. This should sound like you. This should sound like your life because your, the gospel has rearranged your ambitions. And the gospel has reordered your joys. And the gospel has redefined where you find your greatest contentment in this life. See, I'm convinced that what this world needs right now Maybe more than anything else, it's, it's some head-turning, head-scratching, to live is Christ and to die is gain type joy in this world. That type of joy from God's people, the church, some joy that's only explainable because we have a Savior who lived for us in our place and who died on a cross in our place and who rose again so that we might not have only life here, but life forevermore. So I'm praying this morning that the Holy Spirit would do some disruption in our hearts. That the Holy Spirit would rearrange our ambitions and reorder our joys and redefine where we find our truest contentment in this life. See, the first thing we see from the Apostle Paul is that the Christian's greatest ambition is the glory of Christ. I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul, and I'm sitting in a prison cell, I'm probably a little bothered right now. 
probably a little bothered. I'm chained to a Roman guard. I'm, I'm probably feeling a little frustrated at the moment, maybe even moments of despair, some, some moments of unbelief where I'm questioning God and his goodness. The last thing I'm feeling in a prison cell is probably joy. The last thing I'm feeling is probably contentment. And the reason I say this is because my present feelings, they would be exposing, they would be revealing what my present priorities are in the moment. If I'm feeling frustrated, it's probably because my plans are being frustrated. If I'm feeling despair, it's probably because my safety or my comfort is being disrupted right now. If I'm feeling unbelief, it's probably because I'm losing faith in a God who I thought had me at the center of his universe and my universe is falling apart. To be honest, all these feelings reveal when we feel them that we're believing in a God who is not the sovereign God of the Bible. I'm believing in a God of my imagination, my God who has me at the center of my universe. It reveals that I'm believing in the prosperity gospel more than I care to admit. The prosperity gospel that says God exists for my happiness, my health, my comfort, for me. But if you listen to these passages, Paul is singing a very different tune than the rest of American Christianity. Paul's singing a very different tune than the cultural Christianity that we have all around us in our world. The reason is because Jesus Christ has rearranged the ambitions of Paul's life. The gospel of Jesus has rearranged his priorities. It's no longer about his ministry. It's no longer about his happiness. It's no longer about his career advancements. It's no longer about his freedom or his comfort. We see it clearly here because the least of Paul's worries is whether or not he's getting out of prison anytime soon. He assumes, he says, and he trusts that the Lord is going to deliver him through the Spirit of God and through the prayers of the people. But look, that's still not his priority. Getting out is not Paul's priority. Look at his first priority. His first priority, the greatest ambition of his entire life is this. The glory of Jesus. The glory of Christ. Look at verse 19 and 20 again. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Did you hear it? The greatest ambition of his life. Now, as always, as it always will be, whether he's in a prison cell, whether he's standing before the leadership of the city and defending the gospel, whether he's back in Philippi with the people of God, his greatest ambition now and always is the glory of Jesus Christ. It's the honor of Jesus. I want the honor of Jesus to be higher and higher in my life. You can forget about my name. You can 
forget about my comfort. You can forget about my, my freedom. I want Jesus to be glorified. I want Jesus to be magnified. I want Jesus to be so famous and that people know him and that people have joy in him and him alone. I mean, for Paul, if having more freedom for himself meant less glory for Jesus, then he didn't want to be free. You see, if Paul having more freedom for himself meant less fame for Jesus, then he didn't care to be free. He didn't care about his comfort. If having his head cut off would advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's like, bring on the sword. Let me ask you today, is the glory of Christ your greatest ambition? Is the glory of Jesus Christ your greatest ambition? Whether I have cancer or whether I'm cancer-free, I want Christ to be glorified. Whether I have a great, successful job and my career is booming, or if I lose my job and I have nothing, I want Jesus to be bigger and bigger in my life. Whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, it doesn't matter. I just long for Jesus to be famous. Is that your ambition? Is that your priority of your heart? I've been reading lately through the, through the Gates of Splendor. It's a biography by Elizabeth Elliot. It's a story of five missionary friends, her husband Jim Elliot, one of them, who went to the Aka Indians in Ecuador. And they went to the Aka Indians in Ecuador to share Jesus Christ. And when I'm reading this story... One of the things that struck me is, at the, is that the, these men were extremely gifted men. I mean, if you read this biography, men who could have literally done anything in their lives. They were like the valedictorians of their classes. They were uh, leaders in the debate team. They were excellent preachers. They were soldiers. They were pilots, engineers. They had so many gifts. They literally could have done anything anything. And the world would look at their lives that were speared to death on a beach and say, what a waste. What a waste of their lives. And what happened? What went wrong? Well, nothing went wrong. They were no longer arranging their lives around the world and what the world said was the priority. No, the gospel had rearranged their lives around the glory of Jesus and the desire to make him famous. I mean, just listen to Nate Saint who wrote in his journal just days before he was speared on the beach. This is what he said. Just days before they go, to the beaches to talk to the Aachen Indians for the first time. He says, may God continue to put his good hand on the project. And may we drop it when not fully assured, assured of his direction. At present, we feel unanimously that God is in it. May the praise be him, his. And may it be that some Aka, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, will be with us as we lift our voices in praise before his throne. Amen. That's the priority of my heart, he says, that some Aka 
will be with me gathered around the throne, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, singing praise because they too have joy in Jesus. You've probably heard it before, but Jim Elliott's famous quote, he also said, He is no fool who will give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What would it look like today for the gospel to rearrange something in your life? Something in your heart? Some ambition so that Christ will be all in all to you? So the glory of Christ will be everything to you. What would it look like for him to rearrange your priorities so you can be like Paul and say, my greatest desire, whether in life or whether in death, that Christ would be honored, that his name would be high. Maybe you too would be heading across the world to spend your life among the unreached peoples of the world. Maybe you'd be heading across the street to finally share the gospel with a lost neighbor or to call a friend who doesn't know Jesus to share the gospel with them. Maybe you would mean getting up earlier tomorrow morning on a Monday to say, the greatest joy of my life is Christ, and so I want to be with Christ in the morning. Maybe you'd spend less time at the office or less time on your cell phone or less time watching sports or less time on your bucket list, less time on you because the glory of Christ meant more. Listen, church, your glory is not big enough. Your comfort is not worth living for. Your name, it's, it's not worth it compared to the name the only name under heaven by which man must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. Let's make that the greatest ambition, like Paul, of our lives, the glory of Christ. The second thing, though, that we see is that the greatest joy for a Christian is being with Christ. The greatest joy is being with Christ. As Paul continues to talk about eager expectation and hope, as he continues to think about honoring Christ in his life and death, it's like we get to zoom in on Paul's face and Paul's eyes are turning towards heaven. It's like he's turning his gaze away from the chains. He's turning his gaze away from being sitting in a prison cell and he's turning his eyes towards Jesus and the glory of heaven. This wasn't unusual for Paul. Actually, this was Paul's constant reality. As Kent Hughes says, Pastor Kent Hughes, he says, no matter where he happened to be in the race of life, Paul's eyes were fixed on the last day. No matter where he found himself standing in the moment, his eyes were always fixed on being with Christ. And that's where we find this life verse of Paul here in verse 21. He says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Notice with me that the, the wrestling for Paul in his heart is not a wrestling between living or dying. It's not a wrestling between living or dying. No, his wrestling is between living for Christ and dying to be with Christ. They're both Christ-centered options. They're both Christ-saturated in his heart. 
I get to either live for Christ here or I get to die and be with Christ. Which one shall I choose? It's the tension of being fruitful for Christ or gaining Christ forever in eternity. This is so freeing when that becomes our reality like Paul. It's so freeing for your own heart when Paul's life verse, to live is Christ and to die is gain, becomes your life verse, your reality. Because for the Christians, you know what this means? For the Christian, there are only two options. You either win or you win. That's good news today, right? Like the gospel puts you forever in a win-win situation for the rest of your life. You either win because you get to be here with Christ, or you get to win because you get to go and be with Christ forever. For the Christian, you either have victory in Christ here or victory in Christ there. But what it is, is sweet victory, sweet eternal life for those who are in Christ. The gospel, listen, the gospel forever takes the fear of death and makes it the joy of death. As one Christian cancer patient walking through chemo said, the worst thing that can happen to me is the best thing that can happen to anyone. Think about that. The worst thing that can happen to me is the best thing that can happen to anyone. What I want the Spirit to press into our hearts is that that is our reality if we're in Christ. That yes, this life is good to live for Christ, but it's best to be with Christ. I mean, look at what he says in verse 23. Paul says, I'm hard pressed between the two. These are both good options. He says, my desire is to to depart and to be with Christ. Listen to what he says. For that is far better. That is far better. Amazing. Paul is saying death is better than life. He he literally says in the Greek, he says, it's much rather better. It's much rather better. He's saying to die and to be with Christ is not just a little better. It doesn't just have a slight edge on living. No, it's not even close. It's not even close. For the Christian, death is just no longer to be feared. It's to be preferred. Is that a a gospel reality for your heart this morning? That death is not just to no longer be feared, but it's to be preferred for those who are in Christ. Let me ask you this morning, maybe... Maybe the gospel has taken away the fear of death for you. But has the gospel given you the joy of death? Has the gospel given you the joy of death? Can you say with Paul, my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. That is far better. Has the gospel taken the worst thing that could ever happen to you and now made it the best thing, the thing you're looking forward to? See, the gospel reorders your joy. Reorders your joy from the sports you're watching. Reorders joys from the job you're giving your life to. Reorders your joy from all the things that are sliding across your 
smartphone and reorders your joy to know the greatest joy imaginable, and that is that you could be with Jesus Christ forever. Some of you all don't get that today because you love this world. Some of you don't get that today because you love your sin. You love your addictions. You love the things of this world that promise they can satisfy you, that promise they can give you joy, but they only rob you of joy. They only can rob you of joy. And what the gospel says is if you'll just turn your face away, you'll turn your life away from the sin that can never satisfy, from the idols that'll break your heart, and you can turn them to Jesus Christ who lived for you and died for you and rose again, you won't just get a little bit of joy. No, Jesus came that you might have life and have it abundantly. All surpassing joy. Joy that can never run out because it's joy that's eternal in Him. Maybe that's what the Spirit wants to rearrange in your heart right now. That you would repent and turn from your sin and place all your hope and receive all joy in a Savior named Jesus who died for your sin and rose again. The sad reality is that even for those who are in Christ this morning, for those of us who are Christians, there are far many things in this life that numb us here from the glory that's there waiting for us. The numbing effect of this world, of our flesh, of the devil, all these are constantly trying to numb you right now. They're trying to numb you from feeling the beauty of heaven. They're trying to numb you from longing to see Jesus, to want to see him face to face, and instead wanting to see something less. Why long for heaven when you got football season? I mean, it's fall, right? Why long for heaven when you got a vacation coming up? That should have my heart. Why long for, vaca- for, for heaven when you have Facebook and Instagram? Why, why long for heaven when you got pumpkin spice lattes? Why long for heaven when you got a wonderful meal filtered on an Instagram page to make it look even more heavenly than heaven could ever make a fe- feast look? Why long for heaven when you can go to Disney World? The most magical place on earth. Everything in this world is saying to your hearts right now, trying to rob your hearts, trying to steal your hearts of the joy that can be had in Christ, trying to say to you right now, why do you want to be there? It's far better here. It's so much better here. Why would you want to ever leave? Being with Jesus in heaven is going to make Disney World look like the county fair. Being with Jesus in heaven is going to look at whatever pathetic idol that you're worshiping look like it was a waste of your time for all eternity as you set your eyes on Jesus. The gospel wants to reorder your joys where nothing compares to being with Jesus for you. There is no such thing as treasuring Jesus with little to no desire to ever want to be with him. 
Don't fool yourself that you love Jesus if you don't want to be with him. The greatest joy for the Christian is being with Christ. But finally, the the Christian's greatest contentment, though, is living for Christ. Living for Christ. Because while the greatest joy might be to go to heaven, Paul is convinced that it's necessary that he stays. While it's far better for him to go and to be with Jesus, it's far better for the church that he remains. Just look at what Paul says his reason is in verse 25. He says, convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. He says, oh, oh, it would be great joy to be there. But for your progress and your joy, I'm still here. What's Paul mean by this? Well, when Paul says your progress, he means I'm still here for your growth as a Christian, for for your growth in character, for your growth in holiness. I'm still here so that you can become more and more like Jesus. And when he says for your joy, he means for your experience of Jesus. For your enjoyment of Jesus as your Savior and friend. I'm I'm here so that you get the joy of knowing Jesus. And you get the joy of making Jesus known. That's how Paul defines fruitful labor. To help others become more like Jesus. And to find joy, supreme joy in Jesus. For Paul, yes, it would be a superior joy to be with Jesus. But look, it's not joyless to stay here. It's a great joy to help other Christians look more like Jesus and to help increase their joy in Jesus. There is no reason for the Apostle Paul to grow frustrated or to grow discontent because he's still here on earth. But there's every reason to have joy and be content Because he is right where the Lord wants him to be. He is right where the Lord wants him to be. Church, there's no place a true Christian would rather be than in the center of God's will. That's where you find true contentment in this life. That I'm at the center of God's will. Christian rapper KB says, I would rather be in the jungle in the will of God than anywhere else outside it. And you know what? That includes heaven. If the Lord believes that it is more fruitful labor, that you have more fruitful labor labor here, if the Lord's will is for you to remain here a little longer, then you should have joy in doing his will. You should be so content to still be here living for Christ. If you're a Christian, you will one day experience the greatest joy of being with Christ. But, listen, you don't have to postpone joy until then. Isn't that good news? You don't have to postpone joy until then. You get the joy of living for Christ now. You get the joy of being fruitful for Christ now. What I want us to see this morning is that it's not postponing joy to stay here. 
It's not putting off joy to stay here and to remain here a little bit longer. No, we get the joy of pulling the joy of heaven down to earth. We get the joy of pulling the joy of heaven down here. Think about it. What will be the joy of heaven? What will give you the greatest joy when you're with Jesus? It'll be the joy of God's people basking forever in the glory of Jesus. That's where we find joy in heaven. It's the joy of God's people basking in the glory of Jesus forever. So if that's the joy of heaven, what is fruitful labor here for God's people? It's multiplying the joy of God's people and magnifying the glory of Jesus here. It's multiplying the joy of God's people and magnifying the glory of Jesus here. So if it's God's will that you wake up tomorrow morning, if it's God's will that you wake up tomorrow morning, the Lord has a good work for you. The Lord has fruitful labor for you, just like the Apostle Paul did. It's already clear. It's to help your brothers and sisters bring more glory to Jesus. and Helping them find more and more joy in Jesus. You're here for their progress, that they would look more and more like Jesus. And not just that, but that they would be filled with more and more joy in Jesus. That's why the Lord says he still has you here. For as long as you are here, it's to multiply joy and to magnify the glory of Jesus. That's how you bring heaven down to earth. It's flooding the earth with the supreme joy that comes in Jesus and Jesus alone. So maybe that looks like you going to a brother or sister in Christ and to remind them of the supreme joy that they have in Jesus. The one who took away their sin, the one who crushed their idols, the one who turned their eyes away from things that could not satisfy them and turned them towards himself. Or maybe that means to go to someone who does not know that there is a joy in the misery of all that they're living in. There's a joy that can be found. In Christ, in Christ alone. I was flying back on Wednesday from a trip, and I got the joy of sitting by an off-duty pilot named Mike. Love for you to pray for him. We, We talked for a second about flying for American Airlines. We talked about pastoring. We talked about college football. And how he said he doesn't really go to church. Jesus is not that important. And to be honest, maybe surprising to most people here, I didn't really want to talk right then. Which I, that's like my hobby, number one hobby is talking to people. But I didn't want to talk right then because I had something so much more important to do. I had to prepare a sermon. I had to work on a sermon so much more important than the guy next to me that was talking to me about Virginia Tech football. And as I looked down at my paper and I was reading over Philippians 1, looking down at the Word of God, I was convicted to the heart 
about how Paul could say with all his heart, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And how I could say, to live is Christ and to die is gain, but Mike couldn't. Mike couldn't, and I knew immediately that I could not walk off that plane without him hearing about Jesus Christ. How could I know the joy of Jesus, the joy of living for Christ, and dying is gain in Christ, and keep that to myself? How could I keep it to myself when the worst thing that could happen to Mike is the best thing that could ever happen to me? How could I keep that to myself? Christ Fellowship, we we need some head-scratching, head-turning joy that demands an explanation in our world. We don't need to be good at winning arguments on Western's campus. We don't need to have the best music in town. We don't need to have a smoke machine that'll fill up the room this morning. No, Bowling Green needs a church that's filled with the joy of heaven in this city. Filled with the joy of heaven, the all-surpassing joy, because we have a Savior who came and lived in our place. A Savior who would die for our sins. A Savior who rose again and who gives us victory both now and forever. A joy that can say with the Apostle Paul, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray together. Father, we, we can't manufacture this joy, Lord. We need the, the all-surpassing joy of Jesus to be flooded by the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit to come in and to overwhelm us. To say to those right now who love their sin more than Jesus that Jesus is far better. To be with Jesus is far better than anything that this world can offer you. Lord, I pray for Christians right now, Lord, who who fear death. Lord, I pray for Christians right now whose ambitions are tied to something in this world other than Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would rearrange our ambitions, that we would long and love the glory of Jesus more than anything. Lord, I pray you would reorder our joy, that we would find joy, supreme joy in Jesus more than anything. Lord, I pray that you would redefine where we find contentment, That living for Christ, that others might know the supreme joy of Jesus would be our greatest contentment. Lord, I pray by the power of your spirit that you would convict, that you would cut to the heart those who love the things of this world more than Jesus right now. Lord, and and anybody in this room, Christian or non-Christian, that you would cut them to the heart by the spirit. And that you would show them the beauty of Jesus being far better so that with all their heart they would believe to live is Christ and to die is gain. Lord, would you do that for your great namesake? We pray in Christ's name. Amen.